Okay, we are in, in uh, Romans, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. And uh, uh, let's start reading in Romans chapter 14. We'll start reading from verse 1. Then we'll go into a discussion about it. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another to his own master? He stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it for the Lord. He who eats, does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who does, and, and he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall be given, shall give praise to God. So then, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Alright, so this, we just read the first 13 verses of Romans chapter 14. But as it turns out, um, this, this portion actually extends from, from, uh, uh, verse 1 of chapter 14 through verse 13 of chapter 15. And we will get to that. And uh, let me let me just set the stage here a little bit. We had just finished in Romans 13 where he was talking about excesses. He was talking about uh, drunkenness. He was talking about uh, 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 sexual promiscuity, sensuality, strife, jealousy. Here, he's actually speaking about uh, 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 excessive scrupleness. Where, where there's this this uh, um, this inhibition to walk in in uh, in the freedom that we have in Christ, he's dealing with uh, with amoral things, not immoral, but amoral things, things that are neither moral nor immoral. They're amoral. There's nothing there's nothing particularly moral or immoral about them, uh, and so so we call those amoral things. And, and he's dealing with issues that cause divisions within churches, within groups, within people. This church in Rome is predominantly a Gentile church. There are clearly Jews there, and he, he addresses the Jews at times. But, but uh, uh, he's dealing with things, issues that are coming up predominantly with Gentiles. Although you see the same sort of things happening today, actually... With Messianic Jews, Messianic Jews will often refrain from certain things, and they're free to do that. And so what he talks about here, if we look in verse 1, 
in, in these amoral things. He says in verse 1 of chapter 14, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. So he's, he's, he's commanding, he's commanding those who are strong in faith to accept the one who is weak in faith. He is going to, to speak and command each group, those who are strong in faith and those who are weak in faith, but he's going to speak to those who are strong in faith to actually make concessions that he doesn't ask the weaker in faith to make. So he's going to appeal to those who are stronger in faith to do something that he does not ask those who are weaker in faith to do. So I want you to notice that. So in in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, except the one who is weak in faith. So he's saying there are people who are strong in faith and weak in faith, and we'll understand the context of this in a moment. He says, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. And this is something really good for us, not to pass judgment on others based on our opinions of peripheral things. I won't discuss politics when I'm teaching a Bible study. I won't. And and uh, uh, because we will have people in this class and online, uh, but, but particularly here in the U.S., we'll have people of both political parties, and that's fine. That's not what I'm speaking about at all. And we are not to accept one another just so that we can pass judgments on their opinions, on these amoral things. Then he says in verse 2, <clears throat> One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. So now he tells us who is strong and who is weak. He says the strong one can eat all things, the weak one eats vegetables only. And a lot of times in our context, we think, Oh, look how holy that person is. They're just a vegetarian. They just, you know... No, the Bible says, actually, they're the weaker ones. They're the weaker ones. Those who will not eat all things, I didn't say it, Paul says it. The Bible says it. They are the weaker ones. The stronger ones are those that can enjoy all things, because Jesus declared all foods clean. So, so uh, 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 that's why I say it, it's sometimes a problem in Messianic churches, where they will say you should still observe the the, the uh, Hebrew dietary laws, where you don't eat shellfish uh, uh, and, and certain animals you do not eat if they don't split the hoof and chew the cud, so you would never, for example, eat pork, uh, things like that. And, and they will hold to that. And that's just fine. Both those who do not eat, ve- eat vegetables and those who eat vegetables, both those who eat vegetables only and those who eat meat, they're equally permissible. We see that in this chapter. They are equally permissible. Those who eat certain foods, those who don't, both of those positions are equally permissible. And it is no problem to be doing this. No problem at all. The Bible here is characterizing those with freedom to eat what they want as the strong, those who restrict certain things as the weaker ones. And he says in verse 3, The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. So so God accepts both parties. He says that, that those who are strong are not to look down and say, Oh, look at those people. They... They, they think that they can only be vegetarians, that, that eating meat is going to mess them up. And those who are vegetarians are going to say, look at those people eating meat. That's terrible, terrible. 
The Bible says the ones who do eat are not to look with contempt, means looking down upon those who do not eat. The ones who do not eat are not to look at those who eat and judge them as if they're doing something wrong. And the judgment actually works both ways, because up in verse 14, he says, he says, uh, uh, except the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment. So he's telling the weak, don't judge them. Then in verse 3, he's telling, uh, I'm sorry, in, in, in verse 1, he's telling the strong, don't judge the weak. In, in verse 3, he's telling the weak, don't judge the strong. So the judging goes both ways. Now, legalism... Legalism is not refraining from something. Legalism is choosing to refrain from something and expecting that others do the same. Then it becomes legalism. Let me give you an example. I don't drink alcohol. I have no problem with other people drinking alcohol. Not at all. Not one bit do I have. I mean, Jesus turned the water into wine. And, and churches will go so far as to change the Bible because they're so bent on the fact that people shouldn't drink wine. They will say that the Bible says fruit of the vine, meaning grape juice. Not so. Both Hebrew and Greek have a perfectly good word for grape juice and they never, it never uses it. It's speaking about wine, the thing with ethanol in it. That's what it's speaking about. And Jesus turned water into wine for the people to drink. They took wine at the Last Supper. They didn't take grape juice. And you see how far it can go where people will actually change the Bible, say it says something that it doesn't say, to fit their little persuasion there. That's legalism. That's what I'm talking about. I don't drink as a personal choice. I used to drink. I was a Jew. I grew up as a Jew. We, we never looked at drinking alcohol as a bad thing. I didn't know it was bad until I entered the church. And and uh, um, But why did I stop drinking? Well, one day I was with Shireen's oldest brother, and, and uh, uh, we, were, we were engaged, and uh, he offered me a beer, and I took it. I didn't know it was wrong to take it, and I took it. And it bothered Shireen. Because Shireen grew up in a country where people aren't allowed to drink alcohol. Now, her brother gave it to me. I mean, I'm, I'm absolved of all problems here. This was her brother. He gave it to me. But I saw it bothered her. Now, I'm going to be married to her, so I'm not going to drink anymore. If it bothers her, it wasn't a big deal to me. So I just stopped drinking. On that day, I stopped drinking. It bothers you, I'll stop drinking. And I, I, I don't drink. Now, I'm happy I don't drink because, number one, I haven't spent money on it. Number two, uh, um, when my kids were growing up, they saw that I refrained from it. And because sometimes what parents do in moderation, children will do in excess. And, uh, and, and we just never had alcohol around the house. But I will never put upon you or anybody else that you should not drink wine, that you should not drink alcohol. I'll never put it upon you. No way. If I did, that's legalism. Legalism is to take something that is not in Scripture and make it a commandment for others. That's legalism. Any of us is free to do it whatever we want for ourselves. I choose to eat low gluten. That's a choice that I made about 10 years ago. That means it's, it's not like I'll never eat any gluten, but I, I eat little of it. 
And, uh, and I just came to a point where I, and it has nothing to do with religion. It's just that I wanted to do that. And I, I noticed that when I did that, it was much easier to watch my weight. Because all the junk that's brought into the university by, you know, people, you know, brownies and pizza and everything, it's all gluten. And so I never touched that stuff. Because, oh, it's got gluten in it, so I don't have to eat it. But I would never say, and everybody else should eat gluten-free also. No, that would then be legalism. You are free to eat whatever you want. Now, in this context, it wasn't so much for health reasons as it was for religious reasons. Some people would only eat vegetables. He said, accept them. That's okay. Accept them. You are stronger if you're not dictated by that. The weak are the ones that don't participate in these things if they think that there's something that's going to defile you. None of this is going to defile you. It's not going to mess you up. But if you think it's going to defile you, it defiles you. That's what we're going to end up reading here. Um, so so it, it actually has to do with conscience. And so he, he says you're to accept one another. He says in verse 4, But who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. He says, don't judge the other. If they want to refrain, that's fine. That is fine. Now, you guys aren't old enough, you guys in the room, I don't know about online, but you guys online know what I'm talking about. Not only had the church put out that you should never drink wine, but there were all sorts of things that the church had put out that you shouldn't do. You shouldn't go bowling. You'd be like, huh? I remember the days the church said you shouldn't go bowling. They called it playing pins. You shouldn't go bowling. That was, you know, bad people go bowling. You don't go to movies. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. And and uh, you guys are just clueless on this. Yeah, the church, don't go to movies. Why don't you go to, well... People do bad things in movie theaters. Okay? People do bad things in the local park. Should we not go to the park? But you don't go to movies. Uh, you know, good Christians don't go to movies. And, and, uh, um, uh, don't, don't play cards unless you're playing old maid. Then it's okay. Other than that, you, you don't play cards. You don't use dice. Don't use dice. Because, you, you know, gamblers use dice. So you'd have monopoly and they'd use a spinner. Yeah, I'm not kidding you. You think I'm kidding you? This this was a big thing in churches. Don't use dice. Use use just just use a, a, a spinner. And so there were all these regulations that were put upon people that had nothing to do with anything. It was not in the Bible. If it's in the Bible that we are to do something in New Testament commandments, then we are obliged. We are not under the 613 commandments of the Old Testament. We are not. You want to live under that? That's fine. Many Messianic Jews try to live under some of them. And they it's when they push me and they say, you ought to do this too. I say, well, you, you know, you, you can only live by one-third of them today because two-thirds of them revolve around temple worship. And, and uh, you could only live by one-third of them today. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, had, I had one man saying, you know, yeah, Okay, it's permitted, but you shouldn't do it because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, so you shouldn't drink alcohol because it's not good for you. And he had just been served a big piece of cake and was eating it. I said, okay, is that cake you're eating, is that good for you? You want to pull out that verse, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you should not do it because it's not good for you? 
What about that cake? You know, if you want to go down that road, there's a whole lot of things you shouldn't touch. This is what I'm talking about. And it causes divisions in churches. He says, don't judge each other. He says, look, you're both going to stand. God is able to make you stand. Verse 5, one person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it for the Lord. And he who eats, does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat. And he gives thanks to the Lord. So we thank the Lord. I I pray over the food when I eat it. And I eat it. And I enjoy it. Now, you know, I am free to, to eat steak every day. I could eat a big thick steak every day. But I wouldn't do it because it's not good for my health. I might have... I don't know, a steak once a month or something. Because it's, it's, it's just not the best thing for you. But I am free to do this religiously. I'm free to do this. When I was growing up, every kid's father was dropping dead of a heart attack in their 40s and 50s. Because you know, they, they had steaks every day. You know, uh, 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 beers and steers. I mean, that's what people ate back then. And, and, uh, and then we learned, you, you know, you don't eat that much red meat every day. And then, then I remember them when there was a big thrust, you know, eat more chicken. And this was before Chick-fil-A really came out with this. I mean, people were, 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 were eating, were, were pushed to eat more chicken to stay away from the red meat. Verse 7, for not one of us lives for himself and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. I mean, this is so beautiful. We live, we die, we are the Lord's. Whether I live, whether I die, I am the Lord's. Let me tell you, death is not the end for the believer. No way. We mourn, we weep. But that believer is very much alive. He who lives and believes in me shall live, even if he dies. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus said. And and, and, uh, uh, Jesus made it very clear. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And I believe the words of Jesus. Oh boy, do I believe it. And I believe the words that are written here. Whether we live or whether we die. But the whole context of this, verse 5. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Oh, you, 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 you said that on a Sunday? As if... When you say something on a Sunday, it's doubly bad if it's not, not the sweetest thing to say. Or, or uh, to put a Sunday higher than another day. Now, let me tell you something. The Sabbath day, the Sabbath day, has always been and always will be sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. That is the Sabbath day. Always has been, always will be. Christians will try to say, well, Sunday is the day of Sabbath. It can't be. It can't be. It is the it, 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 it is the seventh day. It is the last day. Friday sundown to Saturday sundown is the Sabbath day. Of all the Ten Commandments, the only one that is not translated into the New Testament commandments is the Sabbath day. We can worship on a Sunday. We can worship on a Saturday. If you go to Israel, you say Sunday is such an important day. Well, you go to Israel, there are no churches meeting on Sundays. I don't know, maybe there's churches of retired people. But nobody who works for a living, because Sunday is the first day of the week, they all working on Sunday. They take off Friday and Saturday. And so when I go to Israel, I, I, the first time I went there on sabbatical, I went to work on, on Friday. I couldn't get in. The chemistry department was closed. So what's going on here? 
It was closed because they close on Friday. They're closed Friday and Saturday. And, uh, uh, there's, and, and, you know, I got somebody to open the door for me. I'm the only one in there. And then I go, I go back on Saturday. There's nobody in there. And then you go to church either Friday night or Saturday morning. That's the time you go because the people are off work on Friday and Saturday. So you, even churches, churches meet on Friday nights and on Saturday morning. They don't meet on Sunday because people have to go to work on Sundays. Well, you, you know, are, are, are people in Israel, all the believers in Israel, are they, are they somehow violating some commandment? No. No, some people regard Sunday as the day. That's fine. And that's the day when we're off work in this country, and that's the day we decide to get together to meet. If a congregation wanted to meet on Tuesdays and make that their day, there's total freedom. Some people regard one day higher than another. You know, it bothers people that I don't conform to the things that they like. I've had people, you know, people see me speaking on the Internet and they, you know, they think I have everything right except the area that they have a case with. Some people say, you really ought to be a vegetarian. You really ought to be a vegetarian. And they'll give me all sorts of things about why I should be a vegetarian. And, and, uh, and, and I don't be a vegetarian. Seventh-day Adventists. I love those people. These are people who are serious about the Lord. Well, for them, the Sabbath day is Saturday and not Sunday. And they go to church on Saturday. And many of them write to me and try to get me convinced that I should be worshiping on Saturday and not on Sunday. And I should be preaching this on my YouTube channel so that everybody observes this. Because they think somehow, if I say it, people are going to listen. Lots, lots of Seventh-day Adventists write to me that I should be worshiping on a Saturday. Because Saturday means something to them. That's fine. Do it. I'm fine with that. You want to worship on a Saturday? That's fine. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. I'm the second category. I regard every day alike. Some people regard Christmas as some really holy day. You didn't go to church on Christmas Day? Christmas morning? You weren't in church? No. Was I supposed to? Show me the verse. Show me where I was supposed to be in church on Christmas Day. We don't even know what Christmas Day was in the Bible. We don't know what day Jesus was born. It wasn't December 25th, probably. And, and it has nothing to do with, with because there were sheep. Look, you can go, you can go all year in Israel and there are sheep outside. It's not Man- Montana. You know, it's like Houston in weather. There's sheep outside all year long. It has nothing to do with that. But, but, uh, uh, Easter. Easter is, is a special holy day in the church. Now, I thank Jesus all the time for his resurrection. If you've been around me, you've seen me pray over food. I thank Jesus all the time that he died and resurrected from the dead for us. I thank him all the time. I don't need Easter day to thank him. There was a resurrection day, absolutely. The Bible never says on that day, that should be a special day. You should really go to church on that day. It's okay. You want to go to church on Easter Sunday? Did you know when Jesus rose from the dead, it, th- that, so, so that happened to be on a Sunday that he rose from the dead? But that Sunday, that day then varies the next year, the next year, the next year. It's on a slightly different day. But we celebrate it. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. 
This is what he's talking about. You don't have to have any one day higher than another day. If some people want to make it higher, good. Both are equally valid. Both are equally valid. Now, I come from a Jewish background. We had all sorts of rules. Now, we didn't have a lot of rules in my home because we were pretty secular, but we still had rules of, you know, don't eat, there, there were rules around me that I didn't observe, but don't eat this and, and, and you go on, on, on certain days of this and that. And this is why I've gone to the other extreme. You, you know, when people start putting this upon me, I feel like, you know, this is a coat that doesn't fit me. And the Bible says I'm perfectly free in this. And the Bible says the person is stronger who doesn't subject themselves to this. Now, let me give you another example. It does, it's not to cause division in the church. I will give you an example that touches this church in particular. There's a new thing that just came out. It's, it's uh, 30 days to Easter. So when I saw this, this was the first time I remembered. I've been going to this church for 23 years. And then they had this little video on Lent. I'm thinking, what? Lent? What is Lent is preparatory, setting aside a bunch of days. I think it's like 40 days to prepare before Easter. As if, as if I'm supposed to get extra holy on those days. I'm supposed to be holy every day. Not just extra holy for 30 days or for 40 days. So I didn't go complaining about this. I just called the pastor. And he was in Ecuador. So he, I texted him, I said, I'd like to get, he says, I'm in Ecuador. I said, okay, when you get back. But then I called another one of the pastors. And I said, who came up with this 30 days to Easter thing? I mean, this Lent thing. I mean, uh, if this is what we're supposed to be doing, how come we haven't been doing it for the 95 years that this church has been in existence? And are we going to do it next year? Then he explained to me, that, that, and then I said, you know, because not, there's not one day higher than another day. Easter is not a special day. If people want to make it special, great. But now you got 30 special days leading up to a non-special day. And he agreed with me. He said, Jim, we're doing this for evangelism. We're doing this because we did an Ash Wednesday service. And people from the world came to this. We weren't putting ashes on people. But we just preached a message, a gospel message. And he said, that's a great idea. And so this is mainly to bring in what they call the de-churched. People that grew up in churches who were used to Lent and now have been de-churched, and this is a way of drawing them. I said, I'm fine with that. But this whole thing about special days, I'm not... So, now, I didn't go around gossiping about, oh, they, they had this wrong. I just called the leadership and tried to understand it because it's not supposed to cause division. I didn't say, I'm not going to go to this church anymore. This is exactly what Paul's getting at. Don't let it divide you. So I asked the leadership, what's going on here? All of a sudden, it's not just Easter. It's 30 days prior to Easter. Now, if the church wants to call, you know, a, a time of fasting and prayer, I'm all for that. If the church wants to call special time of, of extra, you know, time in, in the Word of God or evangelism week or evangelism month, I'm all for that. The churches are free to do that. And and uh, and that's what he's saying. Churches are free to do those sorts of things. But there's not one special day. That's what he's teaching here. It's an amazing teaching. You're going to have people trying to get you to conform to all sorts of things. You're totally free in your life. It's the same about worship. Some people like to go, you know, we have two worship services here. We have a contemporary worship that uses an organ and a choir. And then you go to the next worship and, you, you know, they got guitars and drums. Different people like different things. People dif- and they worship differently, and that's absolutely fine. Some people like to worship uh, um, 
Some people like to to um, to change throughout their lives. I I used to like. So, so the church that I first went to, we would all get on our knees and people would go individually thanking God at, individually. Raising the voice, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your mercies on me this week. And then the next person, and then another person would go. That's what I grew up with. Then I went to another uh, church. We were in a charismatic church and it was all about singing. And I had never heard singing like that, man. I mean, you go to a charismatic church compared to a Bible church in singing, I mean, there's no comparison. And, and, uh, and, and, and so then it was singing was the way of worship. And then I kind of got used to that. And, and, uh, and, and then as I'm getting older, I, I'm not sure I like, you know, the loud banging on guitars and everything. And I'm moving more toward the traditional. And that's okay. We have total freedom in Jesus to worship as we like to worship. Total freedom. And that's what Paul is getting at here. And, and, uh, uh, we have total freedom in this. And it, and, and you see how beautiful the Word of God is? He's not trying to just cram down on us a particular pattern. I take a day of rest because I believe the Bible speaks of a day of rest. God worked six days. He rested, He rested one. And I'm all for that. And people say, you know, Sunday's the day you ought to worship. Okay. If that's the day we set aside to worship, I'm okay with that. Is that Sunday, is that Saturday from sundown to Sunday sundown? Or is that Saturday midnight to Sunday midnight? You, you, you know, is, is it that bracket? We don't know. I mean, it's just kind of, here's where we are on Sunday. And I'm okay with that. And that's, that's the day that I'll set aside to rest. And, and, uh, and, and to gather together and to be together. As the Bible says, do not neglect gathering together as is the habit of some. But uh, but come together, and all the more as you see the day drawing near in in, in uh, uh, Hebrews ten twenty five. So he has these things for us. This is these are the types of things that he has for us. This freedom in Christ. It is so good being in Jesus. We don't have to worship. And now what he's going to get to is he says, don't use this to bother your other brother. Accept him. And this is what we're going to learn. If 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 I'm in India, if I'm in India sitting with, with brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, I'm not going to eat a steak. Because in India, eating beef is, you, you know, that's that's kind of a negative-looking thing. I'm not going to do that. But, you know, if I'm in, you know, a taste of Texas, I'll have a steak. You know, it's okay. And we have to just be cognizant of, of who we're around and what the atmosphere is. And and uh, uh, so we'll refrain from certain things. If, if I'm with uh, an Orthodox Jew... If I'm with an Orthodox Jew, when we've had Orthodox Jews to our home, Orthodox Jews will only eat vegetables in our home. So we'll have beautiful salads for them in our home uh, because they're Orthodox Jews and we don't want to do anything to offend them because they can't eat meat that's been eaten even in the same refrigerator with a milk product. Okay? So it, it's hard to get that unless you buy kosher food. Sometimes we will go out special. We will buy kosher food for them. When we are inviting Muslims to our home, we, Shireen will often go out and buy halal meat. This is, this is Islamic meat that's been killed in a certain Islamic way for them. Just for them. We will do that. I'm fine with that. We'll do that. I want you to turn to, uh, Colossians chapter 2 verse 16. Colossians 2 16. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or to drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. 
No one is to be your judge regarding these things, even a Sabbath day. Second Colossians 2.16. Now verse 17. Things which are mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. You know, you're not. if God shows you a vision, that's not what you're supposed to base your faith on. Your faith is based on the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, the testimony of that in the scriptures, in the word of God, the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what our faith is based upon. And when I, the day that I got saved, the presence of Jesus just filled my room. It was not something I could see with my eyes, but it was so overwhelming. I don't base my faith upon that experience. One woman wrote to me, she said, if I had that experience, then I'd be good to go. I said, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, because you would quickly rationalize it away and say it was a hallucination and you'd convince yourself. Unless your faith is based on the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ and that truth, you it will quickly pass away. This is what he's saying. Don't base your faith on those things. Verse 19 of Colossians chapter 2. And not holding... And not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things that are destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. He says, these are the commandments and teachings of men. Unless you can show me in the word of God that it's in holy writ, that it's right here. It is not a commandment for us. It is a teaching of men and we are not obliged to do it. You can do it all you want, but we can't force it upon others. You can subject yourself to all you want in this. You want to be a vegan? Fine, be a vegan. You want to be a vegan and be gluten-free? You're going to have a hard time finding something to eat. But you can do that. You can do it if you want to. And and uh, But you can't put that upon others. Uh, you may want to do it for health reasons. That's fine. But when it comes for religious reasons that is going to make you more right with God, it doesn't. It actually says you're the weaker one. Then he says, uh, uh, these are the commandments, these are the teachings of men. Jesus, Jesus... Uh, disdained the teachings of men, disdained it when it would try to govern hum, uh, govern people's lives. Verse 23, these are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. You take some change, you beat yourself on the back with it, it will not change your fleshly indulgence. Your mind will still go right on to those wicked things. No matter how bad you beat your body with chains. I mean, this self-abasement stuff, it doesn't work. Look at the beautiful freedom that we have in Christ. This is what he's talking about. If you don't know the Lord, I ask you. Jesus says, come to me, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, come to me, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is come. Come unto me. If you don't know the Lord today, please come to me afterward. I will share the gospel with you today. If you're online, you don't know the Lord. 
please write to me, send me an email uh, uh, to tour at drjamestour.org and I will respond to you. We will get together, tour at drjamestour.org. I will respond to you and we will get together. This invitation is not for believers. If you believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, this invitation is not for a private time for you. It is a private time for unbelievers, for people who who do not know the Lord. I will gladly... I will adjust my schedule around your schedule. We'll get together and and let me share with you. There is freedom in Christ. This is the beautiful thing. This portion sets us free. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you so much for your word. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have in Jesus for he has set us free. Thank you, Lord, for that freedom that you have given us. Thank you, Lord God, for that freedom. Lord, I pray for these young people, that they would be free in Christ. They would be free in Christ. Father, that they would come to know you and the depths of knowing you, and how every day they can worship you, every day they can thank you for your resurrection. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Thank you, my Father. Glory be to your name. Lord, you are so good, so kind, and so gracious. Lord, I pray that you take these young people and you conform them into the image of Jesus Christ. Father, let their lives be conformed into his image. I pray, Lord, that you'd give them good spouses and good homes and that they'd raise good families, good children who love Jesus. Father, bless them and lead them in the right way. Provide for these precious ones good spouses and good homes, I pray. And Lord, I commit this to you for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen.